today? <laughs> the book of Revelation today. Now, as many of us know, the book of Revelation is, is a bit tricky. A lot of people don't even like to go there, don't even like to even open, open the pages of it because they think, oh, I just, I just don't understand it. And it's true. If you read through the book of Revelation, starting at chapter one and go to the end, you're going to be a bit confused. But there are people out there who can help us, who can help us to understand what it means. And if we do miss out on the treasure of Revelation, it's a real shame. There's huge, huge treasures um, about who God is, about what Jesus expects from us, and, and about the end times, which, you know, we, we do think, feel like we're, we are kind of coming into the beginning of the end times. So we need to, to know um, for ourselves what to expect when the end times approach, and also for if it's, I, I think that it may be the next generation that sees Jesus um, returning, so we need to know how to train our children how, what to expect in the end times. So please don't shut the book of Revelation. Please try to, to delve into it, but with, with help. There are plenty of people out there who, who can help you. And today I want to, I want to even help you a little bit. Um, so the, the book of Revelation was, was a, a book written by the Apostle John. He was the last at this time when, when, he, when he was given this, uh, God gave him a vision. And when he was given this vision, he was the last of the 12 disciples who had been with Jesus. He was the last one alive. And he had faithfully served Jesus, um, gone through, you know, difficult, many, many difficulties as he kept on preaching the gospel and being faithful. And, and then towards the end of his life, he was exiled because of the work that he'd been doing, he was exiled to the, to the Isle of Patmos. And there he was, an, you know, an, an elderly man and he was doing hard labor as, as kind of a punishment for, for what he believed in. But what a treat he got there as God came and visited him and gave him this awesome vision, which is now the book of Revelation. And the vision was given to John um, to pass on to the church, which at that time was suffering very badly. And God wanted the church to know that he was aware of their suffering and to reassure them that the evil that they were, that they were suffering during that time would be, would be dealt with and that in time he would stand up for the righteous, he would put everything right and he will re- remove all sin. And that's true for us today. Whatever we're going through, whatever difficulties we're going through, we need to to not rely on ourselves to, to, to put things right. One day, God will put all things right. One day, everything will be made right. If you feel like you've been unfairly treated or whatever, drop it. <laughs> My advice to you today is leave it. Leave it in God's hands. Trust him because one day, all things will be put right. Okay, so I'm going to read um, from Revelation 4, the first three, just the first three verses. John writes, After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the, verse, and the voice I had, heard, I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. A rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. Hallelujah. 
So the first thing we see here is in the first verse, John had an open door. And we too have an open door. We have a door that is, that is, that is open for us into this amazing scene in heaven. But you know, when, when you see, when there's a door that's open, you have to go through it, don't you? You can't just sit there and, and, and expect to, to come into this awesome scene. We need to make an effort to go forwards, to, to go through the door. And as we're beckoned up to, to come up, then, then, we'll go, then we'll come into this amazing scene, which is the Holy of Holies. Do you remember from the Old Testament? Um, the temple was built and there was an area in the, in the temple which was called the Holy of Holies, the place where the, where the Ark of the Covenant of God was, was kept, the place where the manifest presence of, of God was. And that was a, that was a place that, o- that only once a year, one man, the priest, the high priest of that year, was allowed to go into that temple. And and out of millions of people, out of the millions of Jews, only one man was allowed to go in. But now we are all invited to come into the Holy of Holies. We are all invited. We're all beckoned here. He says to you this morning, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. But we really, in order to come up and into that place, we need to make the effort. We need to determine to come before God. We need to t- determine to, to know who it is, who we pray to as we come into the Holy of Holies. And we need to know who we are as well. We need to know that we have been washed in the blood of Jesus. And because of that, we can come. We are worthy now to come into the presence of God. So it's just awesome. But we, we must, we must, we we must come. <laughs> we can't just sit. We must determine to push through and to come into that place. Okay, and so as we go on to verse 2, we see that John was in the Spirit. And I just want to encourage everyone today here to be, that we would be, a, be hungry to be people who live in the, in the Spirit, to, to, to live a life in the Holy Ghost and that doesn't mean we just come to a, a worship service and, and, the God, and sometimes we'll see uh, signs and wonders. Those things that are wonderful and we love signs and wonders. We love healings. We, we pray that Peter today, will, as he preaches the word of God, will see signs and wonders. We, that's, that's awesome. But what I'm talking about here today is us de- de- developing our own relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit the person of the Holy Spirit is, is sometimes misunderstood. He's sometimes, we don't understand who he is, probably because he's called a spirit and people think he's a force. But he, he is actually a person. He's a person who is exactly like Jesus. And he is a person who is with us always. He, he's always with us. And he's awesome. He's the best friend you'll ever get. He's, he's faithful and he loves you so much. He, 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 his love, he, he gave me a revelation earlier this year when I went to, went on a little trip to, to Italy. Um, the Holy Spirit gave me a revelation of how powerfully, how powerful his love is for each one of us. And his love is stronger than any love that you've ever felt for anybody else and will ever feel for anybody else. Have you ever loved somebody and they haven't loved you back? It's a, it's a painful 
feeling that we've all probably experienced to some degree, some more than others. And that's how the Holy Spirit could feel if we don't acknowledge him in our lives. If you're a spirit-filled Christian today, then the Holy Spirit is with you physically, day by day. And he deserves, because he is fully God, he's not... um, He's not the father's errand boy who goes and does, does what the father tells him to do. No, he is fully God and we must honor him and we must love him back. He's, he's so magnificent. He's so wonderful and he's so faithful. And so today I want to, I'd love for us all to determine in our, in our hearts to, to start to have a, more of a, a closer relationship with the Holy Spirit, the one who's with us. We need to talk to him. I know it might sound odd to you, but talk to him. And I promise you that if you start to talk to him um, several times a day, um, day by day, and he will talk back to you. He really will, because that's what he wants. That's That's why he's with us, because he wants a relationship with us. Please don't go home and say, oh... Jane's been talking about the Holy Spirit again. I better have a quick word with him <laughs> just to keep her happy. No, he wants us to talk to him all the time, to, be, to have that ongoing relationship with him. Honor him because he is, he is worthy of honor and love him. And, you know, because um, Jesus said in, in John 14, when, when he, he said the Father would send the Holy Spirit, he said he would come and be our comforter. He would come and guide, guide us into all truth. He said he would not leave us as orphans. He is with us always and he brings in the, if we communicate with him, then he will, then he will fill us with all wisdom and, and knowledge and revelation. He's so wonderful. Please think about developing a personal relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing like it. There really isn't. And also, to live a life, to be a person who lives a life in the Spirit, we need to feed our, ourselves on the word of God. This is an area where we all struggle. It's hard. It's, but but if, we, if we miss out on the word of God, we really miss out on, on so much. I know, so it's an area I struggle with myself. But I know that if I want to get anywhere in the kingdom of God, if I want to push forward, then I must know the word of God and I must know it better. And it must be a part of my daily diet. You know, in my work for, for Christians Against Poverty, sometimes I sit in the office there and I can, my spirit can start to dip because sometimes it can be a little bit discouraging just because various things happen. But I've got a scripture on the, on the wall behind my seat. And I know that if, I, if my spirit starts to, starts to wane, starts to feel a little bit discouraged, I know that I can flip, spin around in my chair and I can look at a scripture that I know will change my day. I know it will. It's 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, which says, Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And if I didn't have that there, if I didn't know that scripture, then some of my days could be, you know, pretty, pretty difficult. But I know that if I, if I read that scripture, my spirit is fed. My whole day can be changed and, and how wonderful that is. Another, another verse of scripture that I love, that I often pray for this church, is from um, Judges. It's a prayer of, of, of um, Deborah, the prophetess. She says that, May they who love you be like the sun 
as it rises in its strength. And I pray that for this church. Just think, have you, you know, the weather is in this climate isn't very good, even, even in our summer. So let's think, many of us have been abroad to different countries. Let's think for a moment of that heat, that midday sun heat, when the sun is at its strength at noon, how strong that is. How wonderful it would be if, as we, if we as a body, each one of us, shone with that strength for Jesus. What could we get done in this church if each one of us was so filled with God, was so filled with the, with the Spirit of God that we shone for him in this day? And that's my prayer, that we'll just become more and more like him and really, really make an impact on this town of Cambridge. And another... Another point about living a life in the Spirit, we really mustn't underestimate the power of praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in the Spirit. The more we do that, the more we will be speaking mysteries to God, which in turn can bring revelation to our, to, to, to our spirits. You know, we spent three weeks recently in a, in a Bible study looking at what praying in tongues is. And it's so important that we make praying in tongues a part of our our daily life. When I speak in another tongue, which is a gift that God has given every spirit-filled believer, when I speak in another tongue, sometimes my words in English aren't enough to express who, how I'm feeling, what I want, um, you know, what I want, how I'm feeling. And so uh, the Holy Spirit helps me. He tells my spirit what to pray. The Holy Spirit doesn't pray for us. He prompts our spirit to pray mysteries to God in the language that God has given to us. And as I do that, the word of God tells me that I am strengthened, that I am changed, that I am built up. And I don't understand what I'm saying when I pray in another tongue. I, I really don't. But I believe that, the, that what the word of God tells me, that it strengthens me. And I want to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I want that. And so I'm going to do, so when I, whenever I'm on my own, as much as I can, I speak in another tongue because I believe that what God's told me, that it builds me up, that I utter mysteries to God. And I know it's all a mystery and we don't understand it. But if we believe what the word of God says, then we can truly be changed and, and edified and built up. By, by speaking in the Spirit. So I just encourage you, do it more. It, it's wonderful when we come together like we just have and we've maybe, maybe prayed in tongues a little bit during the worship. And, you know, sometimes it can be helpful during an, an emergency when we're, oh, what can I do? Oh, I'll pray in tongues. That's great. But don't just limit it to that. Make it part of your diet and you'll be a person who walks in the Spirit. And also, finally, if we want, if we'll walk, if we'll be people who walk in the spirit, uh, Paul wrote in Galatians five: If you walk in the spirit, you'll not gratify the lusts of the flesh. We all struggle with different lusts of the flesh. That's not only speaking about sexual problems; it's speaking about anger, malice, gossip, all of these kinds of things that we all struggle with. That are all difficult areas for us. If you will walk in the Holy Spirit, if you'll trust him, if you'll develop your relationship with him, if you'll know the word of God better, if you'll speak in other tongues, then the Holy Spirit will help you to war against the lusts of the flesh that you struggle with and you will overcome. You will, you will become a conqueror 
through these difficult things, these things that rise up within us, we have to war against them. And the way we do that is through living a life in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. I love the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Um, Okay, so then the third verse that we come to, um, John sees the throne of God. What an awesome sight that must have been to see this throne of God. He says, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And we need to know that there is one in heaven who is in control. Sometimes we can look around us, out, look around us at, at the world and we just think, what is going on? How, how, is, you know, how are we ever going to get the gospel into, the, in, into Cambridge? What is going on? But, you know, God is in control. He knows everything. He has had a plan from the beginning that he has never changed and he never will change. He knows what he's doing and he is seated on his throne. He is established. He is strong and he is all, he has all wisdom within himself. So if we'll just gaze upon him on his throne, then, then we won't be shaken by the circumstances around us. We won't be uh, confused about the darkness in the, which is in the world that we live in. And we can be filled with hope, we can be, be filled with a determination and be assured that when we pray, then things can really happen, things can really change. As we partner with God, he will, he will, um, he will really move in the, in the areas that we live in. But don't be conf- confused about the world, just look to him and he will really help you make sense of your life. Okay, so now, hopefully, we've come through the door. We're through that door that is open for each and every one of us. We're living a life in the Spirit. We're living a life filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're gazing upon the, th- the one who is seated upon the throne, God the Father, who is seated upon the throne. And what do we see? Verse 3 says, And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, a rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. See, I told you it was difficult, didn't I? What on earth does that mean? Well, we're going we're gonna to look at, into those, those three colors in a, in a few moments. But I just wanted to, to talk about, uh, about first a few of the wrong concepts that, that Christians have about God and who he is. Today, when we came into worship, I just want to ask you, I'm not asking you to tell me, but just to ask the question. When you came to worship God today, who did you come to? Did you come to a person? And I'm not saying that, that I always get this right either. So, you know, I'm, not, I'm just saying, when we, when we come to worship, we need to think, who is it that, the one that we come to? Do, when we pray, who is it do we, the one we pray to? Do our prayers just go up to the air, in the air? Do we feel like they're bouncing off the ceiling? Do, when we worship, do we come to the person of Jesus or, or do we just faithfully and religiously sing the words and actually think, oh, I need to go to Tesco's after church and, and I need this, this, that and the other. These are dangers that, that, we can, that we can fall into. When we come to... So today, I want to... I believe that if you give me your attention today, then we can really... Look today at the one who we come to. And if you're prepared to go home, do a little bit of homework for yourself, read and reread these verses.
then I think, then I really believe that, that our worship times and our, our prayer lives can really be enhanced and even transformed. We need to know who the one is to whom we pray. And many Christians don't live in the fullness of, of their Christianity because they're not familiar with God the Father. In the Old Testament, God the Father revealed himself over and over again with the same words, the beautiful words which he revealed firstly as he passed in front of Moses. He proclaimed his name. Do you remember when Moses hid himself in the rock? He said he's the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. And throughout the Old Testament, the Lord repeats these same phrases over and over again. He says, this is who I am, and this is, this is my nature. And then in Jesus, um, he revealed himself further. He's, this is, Jesus was a representation of, of, of the character of God the Father. And then, do you remember when Philip spoke to, to Jesus and said, show us the Father, we want to see the Father. And Jesus said, as if the Father was speaking through him, after I've been with you so long, Philip, do you still not know me? So in Jesus, we, God revealed who he, who he was. And I know that before I had a revelation of, of God's love for me, I had a really hard time relating to God the Father. In the early days of my Christianity, I, I realized that Jesus was, was good. I knew he died for me. I knew that he loved me. And so I kind of, in my immaturity, I'd pray to Jesus and, and leave the Father out because he, he seemed to, I, because I didn't know the Old Testament yet and I didn't, I didn't have an understanding of who he was. And then one Sunday shortly after I came to this church, Peter preached a, a message called Amazing Grace, which completely transformed my prayer life after that. And I knew that every day I could run into my loving Heavenly Father's arms. You see, when God looks upon each one of us, he doesn't see us anymore. When I first came to, to God, I had a filthy robe that was stained with all of the wrong things that I'd done in my life, all of my sin, all of my stain. And, and Jesus came to me one day when I asked him into my life. And he removed that dirty robe and he threw it away forever. And he replaced it with a clean, sparkling white robe of righteousness, of, of what he'd done for me. And so that when I come now before my Father in heaven, he doesn't see me or he doesn't gaze upon me. He gazes upon the purity that Jesus put on me and has, has left me with. He sees me mingled with Jesus because he gave me my personality and he loves that about me as well. But when he looks at me, that's who he, that's who he sees. He sees Jesus in me. And with that, he's, he's pleased. He's ex I'm acceptable to him. And, and he adores me. It says in the book of Zephaniah that he delights over me with singing. How amazing is that? I, I don't know anyone who I want to delight over in singing. <laughs> I'm sorry, but <laughs> but it, that's amazing. He sees me, and he's he's so pleased with me, and he looks over me, and he sings about me. 
That's amazing. That's acceptance. That's joy. That's a father's heart. And, you know, we need to throw out that idea that we're not good enough. No, we're not good enough. I am never good enough without Jesus. I never will be good enough without Jesus. But with, G- with Jesus, I am so accepted. He delights over me, and it's just awesome. It's so awesome. Unfortunately, some Christians can think that, that God is a bit like Father Christmas, or even worse, they can think that he's like Scrooge. <laughs> that he's really mean up there in heaven and that when we make mistakes he's sitting there tutting uh, saying to the angels oh they've done it again when they ever get it right but he's just not like that he's not a man I, also another thing I think we think that God is a man because that's the only thing that we can compare God to but he is not He's awesome. We're going to look in a few moments at, 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 at who the being of God is. And he, so we need to throw out these bad ideas about who God is and really come into the fullness of who he is. God is holy. God is just. And he is also full of mercy. Psalm 84 verse 1 says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O God. And these verses of of Revelation 4 give us a glimpse into the dwelling place of God. A place where we're going to spend eternity. We're going to be with God forever. This place that that John saw up there in heaven where he went and he had this awesome vision. That's a place where we're always going to be. And these, but these aren't verses that we're just going to understand by one reading don't think you can read it one day. These are verses to be meditated on. These are things that we need to, we need to delve into other people's teachings about them and really learn about, about the realm that we will one day be part of. At the moment, we, spiritually, we are part of that realm already, but we haven't, we haven't yet seen into everything that we will experience. So as I said, the Father is a real person who is on the throne, and he really makes sense of our lives when we come into a good, good relationship with him, a good understanding of who he is. So I'm just going to read um, Revelation 4.3 again about the colors. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, a rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. So here we see three different colors, and I'm going to bring today three ideas of what these colors might mean. The first color we see is jasper. And today, jasper, if you look it up on Google, it'll tell you it's a dull, non-precious stone. That's a bit boring. But in the ancient times, in the ancient worlds, um, jasper was a dazzling crystal, diamond-like stone, a, a brilliant, shining white light stone. In Revelation 21, 11, um, John speaks of the new Jerusalem and he describes it like this. He says, it shone with the glory of God in all its brilliance and was like a very precious jewel, like jasper, clear as crystal. Bright, white, shining, radiant stone, revealing the glory of God. At the center of the Godhead is this one who radiates, whose whose being is lovely, who radiates its white, bright, light stone. Do you see, if you can imagine that, how your, how your uh, worship times will be transformed, if you see the being of God, not a man who doesn't like you in heaven, but an awesome God who's full of light, who's full of wonder, who's pure, who's holy. This is what, this is, um, 
this, this bright whiteness uh, speaks of the holiness of God. His, his, his dazzlingly white impurity. There's nothing in God's being that isn't dazzling and radiant and pure. There's nothing, there's no darkness in God. He is only light. He only has pure motives and thought. Everything in his personality is, ja- is jasper. He is holy. And this holiness really must be something else. Do you remember in the book of Isaiah, when Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, the seraphim were there. Those are kind of angels. The seraphim were there, and they were crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of, the, of his glory. And here, in the book of Revelation, 600 plus years later, the cry, the scene in heaven is the same, and the cry in heaven is the same. Still, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. What is it that we're going to see? What is it that we are going to see when we come into that scene? When we see him, we're going to fall down before him and we're going to cry too. We're going to join with all of heaven, crying, holy, holy, holy. Can we catch a glimpse of that now ourselves here on earth? If we, I believe that if we spend time looking at these verses, asking the Holy Spirit to show us, spending time one, coming in, we can come into something of what, of, of, of what we'll see when we, when we finally meet him face to face. I can't wait. I don't want to wait until then. I want to start to experience something of that now here on earth. Wonderful. He is a holy, holy God. So secondly... We see the color carnelian. In some different versions, um, it, it's, also, it's called a, a Sardis stone. It was named after the city of Sardis in the ancient world. And this je- is another gem, and this is a deep, fiery red gem. And the fiery red gem speaks of God's justice. You know, God is a just God. He has a blazing judgment against sin. And that's not because he's mean. That's not because he... He, he, he doesn't like people. He can't, God and sin cannot be together. That's just the way it is, the way it's always been, and the way it's always meant, it's always meant to have been like that. God cannot um, come near to sin. He will destroy everything in creation that is not holy. One day, just like I said, one day on judgment day, God will judge everything, and everything that's not holy will be destroyed. And this should really make us sit up and think. It really should. We can't be complacent. And we need to, we need to know that there is going to be a day of judgment. But we understand as Christians that this, that this, that Jesus came to earth so that the judgment could be met. So that this justice, sorry, could be met. And in God's zeal and passion for each one of us, He sent Jesus into the world. He was the only human being that could come into the world and shine with that radiant, pure, white holiness on earth, um, mirroring how God the Father was in, in heaven. And he was the only one that could, could have done it. He was, when Jesus came and lived on the earth, he was pure, he was holy, he didn't, he, his thought, thoughts were all good. There, there was no darkness within him. 
And do you remember in the, in, the New, in the New Testament, in the Gospels, twice the Father spoke over Jesus. This is my beloved Son. He was so pleased with him. He was fulfilling everything that he had been sent to do. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased because he saw that Jesus was living that life of pure holiness that, 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 that was needed, that, had to, that ha- he had to live. And so Jesus shed his blood for us. That was the same red blood that matched the red Sardis uh, demand for justice in heaven. Jesus shed his red blood. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus asked for the cup to be passed from him, he knew that God was the Jasper God of holiness, but he also knew that he was the, just, he, he was the Sardis God who was demanding justice. And he knew he had to go to the cross. He knew that that's why he had come. And he knew that he would fulfill the call on his life. He was the only one that could do it. And thank you, Jesus, that you did that for each and every one of us. So we see that when the Jasper holiness of God and the Sardis demand for justice touch our sinful lives, then there's a problem. We can't stand. We simply cannot stand. But, hallelujah, his mercy has given us a way into his kingdom. And it's the only way that we can come. It is the only way. So the mercy of God we see in the, um, in the green emerald rainbow that encircles the throne, that wonderful um, rainbow circling the throne, which, which was um, spoken, which was taught us from the book of Genesis with, with Noah. Do you remember Noah? Um, after God had sent the flood, he said, I will never draw, destroy the earth again. I will, I will send the rainbow as a representation of my love. He said, from now on, I'm going to have mercy on the earth. And what he sent when he sent the rainbow, he did, it's not a, that wasn't a new idea that he conjured up then, God. No, he was, he was sending a copy of what was in heaven to, to, to the earth to speak of the mercy of God in the earth. He's so clever. He's, he's so amazing, God. Everything that has ever been, has, it just comes together when we all spend time studying and, and, and learning his word. So God's mercy, hallelujah, is as vast and as wonderful as his holiness and his desire for justice. And we can have confidence that because of Jesus' blood shed for us, justice has been met for us, and that we now have peace with God. We now have acceptance with God. Recently, Carol started coming to church. Give us a wave, Carol. (laughs) And we've been spending some time trying to help Carol to understand what it means to, to become a Christian. And one day, the Holy Spirit really helped me. He, he gave me a memory. And I rem- remember the time when I'd been working with Lisa. Give us a wave, Lisa. <laughs> and I used to work with Lisa for four years. And during that time, I was a single mum and used to struggle with bringing up my daughter. And we used to have, make tea and coffee together and have a good chin wag over the tea and coffee and a biscuit. And, um, and one time, I remember, I think it was a, either a Thursday or a Friday, I'd fallen out with my daughter, Emily, having a really hard time with her. And I told, I told Lisa. And then went off to, for the weekend and I made friends with Emily and everything was, everything was calm at home. And then on the Monday, I, I came into work 
And I said, uh, and we had tea, <laughs> made our tea. And Lisa said, how are things with Emily? And I really honestly couldn't remember that there had even ever been a problem with Emily. That's the truth. That's, that's what I re- remember. There, because, my, because over the weekend, Emily and I had made peace with one another. We were friends. And all I ever want in my relationship with Emily is peace. If you've ever had a teenage, now she's a teenager, so now I want it even more. But with, with your children, you want peace. You want everything to go well with them. And so because of my great love for her as well, for my daughter, I had forgotten whatever it had been about. And I, when Lisa asked me on the Monday, what, what, how were things? I couldn't even remember that we'd fallen out. And how much greater is God's love for each one of us? than my love for my daughter. Don't let her tell. <laughs> she doesn't understand that yet. But, but you know, he, God loves us so much more. And his desire with us is to have peace. He wanted to have peace with us. And that's why he sent Jesus into the world, so that we could have peace. And we do now have peace. We've exchanged all of our, all, all of our, the wrong things we've done, all of that shame, taking it off. And he's given us He's given us forgiveness, and he gazes, at, he gazes on us with the same love as he gazes upon Jesus. What an exchange. It's so amazing, just so amazing, this good news. Hallelujah. And would, sorry, would the musicians just be able to come up as I, as I draw to a close? So we can see from all of this that God is eternal. God has never changed And this should give us such a hope and a a confidence. And we can see from what we've just looked at that the same God who pronounced himself to Moses is the same God who revealed himself to to us in the book of Revelation through the Apostle John. He He said, I am the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love, and faithfulness, maintaining love and love to thousands and forgiving wickedness and sin. All of this speaks of the mercy of God, that wonderful, vast mercy that God has lavished upon each one of us. And he finishes with, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. There is justice to be met. We have to come with Jesus. If we don't come with Jesus, then we're lost to an, an eternity. So today I want to ask us all the question, have we had the vision? Do we want the vision? Do we want to come into this awesome uh, experience of what eternity will be like for each one of us? John had never seen any of this before. He had seen the resurrected Jesus. He'd been with Jesus for 40 days after he'd been resurrected. And and he'd he'd even seen Jesus transfigured up on the mount. But he'd never seen anything like this vision that was given to him. He only knew that there was one man on the throne. He thought that there was one man on the throne, and that man was Caesar. That's who ruled their emp- the emperor, the empire in which he in which he lived. But here he sees a new throne, and maybe today we need to see a new throne. We need to know who the one we the one who we come to is. And so now, as we sing. We're going to sing, lovely are your dwelling places. This place we come to this morning is lovely. It's awesome. And I hope that you can imagine the Father in a new light, seated on the throne, seeing his bright, white holiness. 1 Timothy 6.16 
speaks of God. It says, he who alone is immortal, who lives in unapproachable light. We cannot approach closely this God now in our mortal bodies. But one day, hallelujah, we will have a new body and we will go and live with him, be with him forever. And can we imagine that red sardis cry for justice? There must Justice must be met. There is a justice that must be met. Hallelujah. It's been met for us here. But has it been met for your loved ones? Ask today the Holy Spirit to put a new vigor in you, a new boldness, a new desire to pray for them. And ask him to tell you, to speak things into your ear that you can tell those people. If you speak to the Holy Spirit, he will speak back to you. He'll give you ideas. He'll give you, he'll come to help you. He's been sent to be our helper. And to, as we come into these lovely dwelling places of the Lord. Let's rejoice in that emerald green mercy that has been poured into each one of our lives. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. Thank you for the cross. Thank you that justice has been met for each one of us. David wrote in Psalm 18, from his temple, God heard my cry. He heard my voice and my cry came before him into his ears. Today, as we come before him, our cry of love and of, of, of gratitude will come into the, into the ears of Almighty God who loves us and will always love us with an ever, everlasting love. Let's come now into the Holy of Holies, into his presence and worship him in spirit and in truth. Thank you. Hallelujah, if you all stand, let's just sing. Awesome this morning. Give Jane a round of applause. What a great word this morning. You know, this the, the word of God tells us to imitate one thing. Sometimes we said we shouldn't imitate other people. He tells us to imitate one thing. He says, imitate the faith of others. It's good to imitate the faith of others. To have the same faith as you see your friend having more faith than you imitate it. Put the faith into action, but one thing this morning we can all see that's evident is Jane is passionate about the Holy Spirit and we should imitate the same desire to step into his presence you know there's nothing wrong with that let's imitate that same desire because when we do we won't be disappointed eh? let's sing this song together and then we're going to close short amen
Hallelujah. You know, this morning we could take the service to a level where we bring people forward and ask you if you want to get closer to God. But you know, sometimes it's not about the front. It's never about the front. It's about what we do outside of here. What Jane talks about it is sacrifice. It's just spending time with God. And that close relationship. How many of you know that if you haven't seen someone for a long time, that when there's no communication, it's very difficult, isn't it? You have to almost start from scratch again when you haven't seen that person for a long time. I just sense God says to us all this morning, He wants us to have that relationship with Him that's so deep. It's not about how much relationship the next person's got next to you with Jesus. It's about your relationship. The Word of God tells us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. That's working out your own salvation, not someone else's. Let me encourage you this morning that we can pray for you. We can can do all that at the front. And it's awesome to do that. But let me say this. Let me encourage you. The best thing is when you get home is that if you can just give some time to God, including me, that we just spend time and that's not always speaking that's always listening as well so we can be in that special place that dwelling place where we where we read this morning that when we acknowledge his name acknowledge who he is that we realise that he is a person that we need to spend time with not a force not a power just take that away if there's one thing you take away this morning it's just it's something that you don't have to wait for God to reveal to you but you need to just spend time with him. That's the answer. The more you spend, the more you'll get to know him. It's a principle of the world, isn't it? The more we spend with someone, the more more we know them. That's what leads us to even get married to people. The more we spend time with them, the more we understand them and know them. Then we want to get married, we want to get closer. And God says he wants to save. You're his bride. Wants to get to know you. We don't want to be on that last day when he comes, as Jane says, be prepared and not knowing him. It says that many will come and say, We knew you, we did all these things in your name. And he will turn to them and say, But I didn't know you. I ask you this morning, I encourage you, do you really, really know Jesus this morning? Or is it just something that comes off your lips? get to know him not through church not through music not through what we do here you can get to know him in your bedroom in a closed door that's the most the best place you'll ever get to know your savior hallelujah 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 father i just pray for the for the ones here this morning including me who have been touched by this message touched by a desire to just spend more time with you that lord We'll be closer to you, but not only that, that, Lord, when we do the kingdom's work, it won't be in vain, but it will be for you. Lord, I pray for every one of us in this room that when we leave here today, that when we put aside that special time, when we're in a private place, that, Lord, as your word says, you'll hear our prayers, that our prayers won't just hit the ceiling, that it's, we will be speaking just as we speak to the person in the room. I pray that every one of us in this room will, will experience that closeness in our lives, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen.
I'm just going to ask, we're going to finish shortly and um, just go through to the back and start moving things through. But I just wondered, Dad, if you could come and just close in prayer for us this morning. It'd be good. Just as we leave and just bless us all. Amen. Thank you for coming, everyone. And it's been an awesome time, hasn't it? But if you just want to stay behind after and just help us shift all the stuff through, that'd be great. Amen. the Lord. I didn't know Phil were going to ask me to close in prayer but it's just funny I've had this suspicious feeling all through the service that he might ask me to pray and uh, I wonder if I could just you know you're such lovely people um, lovely smiling faces and yet in reality each one of us in our lives can be going through various situations and battles and being a Christian isn't that easy sometimes, is it? And I wonder if there's something really, really strong inside here that I want to pray for every single person in here this morning. And I just want to tell you what it is so that you might hear from my heart that not only I want to pray for you for this thing, but, you know, God wants this particular thing for every single one of us. I've been reading recently where the Apostle Paul, writing to Timothy from prison, writes to this young pastor, and he says something to him in one of the verses that has really blessed me these last couple of weeks. And it's that that I want to pray for you for. He says to Timothy, he says, I want you to be strong in the grace of God through Jesus And you know, God wants us all to be strong, not weak, but to stand strong. And I just feel I want to pray for you this morning before we part, that God will help every single one of us, like Paul exhorted Timothy, to be strong, but to be strong in his grace. And just before I pray, let me just say what a wonderful thing it is to be able to be strong in the grace of God. And we all know, don't we, that that grace is not just God's favour. What a lovely thing favour is when we are favoured and receive the blessings in that respect. But when you think that God wants to help us, to strengthen us, to provide for us, to give to us, and yet we don't deserve it one little bit. It only makes me know even more how much he wants me to be strong in his grace, the fact that I don't deserve it, and yet he longs to give of his blessing and power. Praise the Lord. Lord, we thank you this morning for each other, but we thank you, Lord, that best of all we all know you as our Lord and Saviour and this morning our prayer is my prayer from my heart is for your people here in Cambridge in this particular church Lord that you would bless and strengthen every believer in this place that those who may be feeling weak this morning and feel even like giving up who are finding it hard in some measure through some particular circumstance or other. 
in the name of Jesus, we pray that you will help each and every one by faith to lay hold of God and the grace of God, that favor, the blessing and the strength and all the provision that you can bring our way. We ask that every single one of us will learn in our daily living to depend upon that grace, to depend and to throw our lives by faith on you every day and to say, God, I don't understand why and what's happening, but I'm going to trust you anyway. And then to let your grace work things out. Lord, I ask that every believer will be stronger this week having depended and seen your grace at work. Bless Peter. Give him traveling mercies when he comes back tonight. Bless his ministry today. In the name of Jesus, we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everyone. If you want to just help us shift the stuff, that would be great. Thank you for coming. Amen. God bless.